really thought about, you know, New Year's, maybe a New Year's message, and then I realized as I started studying in this passage, there's a lot of wisdom here in regard to how to face this coming year that awaits us. And uh, so I want to read a couple of verses here. Our text is John 7, 14 through 24, and I want to read uh, 14 through 19. If you will stand in our great God's honor, I'll read. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And it's so easy for us, Father, to just fall into a pattern of religion, of keeping rules, of doing things the same way over and over and thinking that that makes us better than those who don't do that. And yet, Lord, it's never been about that. It's always been about a relationship with you. And so, Father, just make that clear to us as we look at Jesus and how he challenges the religious elite and how he just makes it plain that it's, it's not what you think it is. It's about me. Father, may we see that today as 2024 is close, very close. Father, may we face this next year with a relationship with you instead of just religion. Guide us in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, before I came here, year, <laughs> it's been 20 years ago, uh, the youth minister that served at the church I was at, Sam Totman, said something I have pondered a, a lot through the years. Uh, I met in my office one time and he said this. He said, religion, no, no rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. What we have to guard against is that our faith is not simply rules that we think everyone has to follow and that we are determined to follow to the exclusion of a relationship with God himself. It's more than our rituals. It's more than the things we do week after week and, and year after year. It's about knowing him. And it's so easy to get off of that path and to begin to think that it's just doing those religious practices that pleases God and that brings God's favor on us. You know, it, it, it's like the guy who 
been married for many years and he did not seem to understand the concept of romance. Yeah. And finally, his friend said, you're in, your marriage is in trouble. So do you ever tell your wife that you love her? He said, I told her when I married her, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let her know. That is simply not enough to nurture a relationship. A relationship means that we have to notice the other person. It's not enough to say, I'm here. We need to be able to say, there you are. I see you. God longs for us to see him. You see, he sees us, but do we see him? That's when it moves from religion to relationship, when we are able to understand that we need to see him. We need to look for him. You see, religion is based on coming to God on my terms, my religious practices, my rituals. It is rules that are made in order to find and follow God in my life. But relationship means that God actually looked out of the heavens upon us and said, they are not getting it right. I'm going to step into their lives and bring them understanding of what it means to know me and love me and live for me day after day. You, you see, it's not just what we know. It's, it's, it's not just what we think. It's not merely our ideas or our terms. Uh, it is what he reveals to us. That's why the scriptures are known as the revelation of God. It's a revealing of God's heart, his thoughts, his mind to us. And that is invaluable because we just get stuff wrong. And it becomes religion. The way to fight that is to seek the relationship. God, show yourself to me. God, teach me. God, show me. Because if not, I'm going to turn it into just religion without you. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said these words. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The context of our text this morning deals with one of the three major feasts that the Jews were required to attend if they were... Um, sold out Jews. The Feast of Tabernacles was to celebrate God's faithfulness of taking them through the wilderness, of guiding them and protecting them and leading them to where they needed to be. And it's called the Feast of Tabernacles because it was like camping out all those years. They had their portable homes or dwellings. They didn't have tents, but like a lean-to, they took with them <laughs> these shelters that they would sleep in in the night. And these makeshift shelters were at the Feast of Tabernacles that the Jews attended in this time period. They would come to this festival for a week, and at night, at the end of the festivities, the family would sleep in those makeshift shelters. It would be a reminder of what it was like for their ancestors as they 
followed God to a place. Uh, they really didn't know where they were going, as it says in Scripture, but God was leading them to that promised place. I, I thought it was interesting here in the Scripture. It starts out, it says, Jesus didn't even come to, until the middle of the feast. He didn't come in the beginning. Why didn't he come? Well, if you go to our text, uh, verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposefully staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. It says, When the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, man, he was encouraged. You need to go, Jesus. They need to know who you are. You need to lay the truth out there. People need to discover you. And Jesus made it clear. He says, my time has not yet come. In other words, the cross is around the corner, but not this corner. It's a little further out. And so I'm not going to be there. But he did reveal himself halfway through. It's interesting as, as we look at our text of Scripture. It says the first thing Jesus did was not healing. He certainly was a master of healing. He still heals today. But that's not what the text says that Jesus did when he first appeared at this feast. It wasn't healing. Um, he, he didn't come and say, hey, they proclaim me. Many of you guys said I'm ki the king. So I'm here to proclaim to you that I am the political king. You know, King Jesus. He didn't do that. Nor did he... Feed the masses. Hey, guys, you want a quick meal? Uh, it's a good time to take a break here at the feast. Let me feed you. No, that's not what he did. So what does the scripture say that he did? It says in verse 14, Jesus got up to the temple courts and he began to teach. He taught them. He gave them key insights that they desperately needed to know. Uh, we refer to this in the outline I've got, doctrine is essential. Doctrine is simply essential truth that we need to learn. You know, you almost have this idea that church is about going and, man, having this great experience that just, you know, you leave with this emotional high and it's like, yeah! And there's not that that's totally wrong. We don't need to be dead Baptist and look like, you know, um, first church of the Frigidaire or something like that. But there should be some fire. There, there should be some emotion. But I, I think it's key here that Jesus, as he came, he said, I need to teach you because that's, that's needed. Um, the word, uh, the, the Greek word, is actually used to teach uh, 36 times in the gospel. So it was, it was prevalent, um, what we know of Jesus through the Gospels. Uh, the word teacher, and he is the teacher, is used 47 times in the Gospels and used another 33 times in the New Testament. In other words, teaching was very important. Doctrine was very important. It's not enough just to get pumped up for Jesus, although we need to be pumped up for Jesus. But we also need to know why we should be pumped up for Jesus. We need to know who He is, what He has done for us, where our hope lies, um, what our mission is. 
All of these things are, are crucial to growing in the Lord and facing 2024 in the proper way. We need doctrine, which is the teaching of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Scriptures in our lives. Some may say, well, you know, I don't need all that teaching. Well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just into Jesus. Well, the teaching is Jesus. It's what Jesus wants us to know, wants us to follow. Um, as you think about the scriptures and you think about the teaching, um, it's, it's like an, it's an instruction manual. The Didache, or the teaching it, itself, it, it's a manual to tell us how to live and how we are to operate in, in order to, um, to operate correctly. That's, you know, Cindy's dad... One of those guys I was always jealous of because I can't fix anything. It's, it's not my gift for sure. But man, he was one of those. He could figure out not only how to build stuff, which he could do all that, but how to fix stuff. We could take him stuff that was broken, you know, like maybe a radio that was broken. He'd figure out how to fix that or different things. But what he would do when he got something new or something I brought to him that was broken, the first thing he would ask is, do you have the instruction manual? And before he would even look at it to try to repair it or something new, put it together, he would sit down and read the instruction manual from cover to cover before he began because he wanted to know how the thing was to operate or how it was meant to be put together correctly, which is pretty smart because I usually put it together backwards and have to take it apart and put it together again. But the Scriptures... That's what the scriptures tell us. How we have been made in the image of God and how we are meant to function. And Jesus, in his revelation, teaches us those awesome great truths. As a matter of fact, Hosea the prophet, if you remember in Hosea 4.6, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of, you remember? Knowledge, for a lack of knowledge. You guys, you don't have the knowledge. You don't know me. You haven't, you haven't spent the time seeking me or, or looking in in the instruction manual to find out how you were meant to operate and what it means to follow me. In Acts 2.42, you know, when all these people came to Christ, the 3,000, and they came together, and they started growing, and in Acts 2.42 it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I don't think it's insignificant that the first phrase there is the apostles' teaching. Where did the apostles get their teaching? From Christ. They had spent those three years with Christ, growing and learning. Their teaching was the teaching that they had received from Jesus. And I love verse 43, the next verse. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Hey, the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayer came before the miracles went out. It's about getting in connection with Jesus Christ. It's about relationship, not, not just religion. Um, there are some who think that great preaching is the fiery, beat the pulpit, scream, shout, dance, try not to fall off. <laughs> and, and, you know, to make a scene, man, 
uh, there's a story about an Indian that went to a church service and he watched this preacher and man, he was pounding the pulpit. He was screaming and he was dancing and he was, he was really carrying on and making a scene. And so one of, the, one of the church members afterwards said, what do you think about our preacher? He preached up quite a storm, didn't he? And the Indian, the Native American Indian said, six words, high wind, big thunder, no rain. There are those who want to draw attention to themselves, man. But what it amounts to is high wind, big thunder, but there's no rain. There's no nourishment from the teaching, from the words of Christ. And, and from the Holy Scriptures, that, that is so critical. Uh, look at verse 15 in our text. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having to study? In other words, he didn't go through the proper accreditation. He, he didn't go to our Bible colleges and seminaries and, and places that we certify that we teach at with the professors and that kind of stuff. In other words, in, instead of being a compliment, this was really a criticism. It was like, well, why is he qualified to speak? Why is he qualified to share? They were missing. They were more concerned about their religion than a relationship with God. Secondly, not only is doctrine essential, discernment is crucial. Look at verses 17 and 18. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Before I look at these verses, I want you to drop down to verse 24, the last verse in our passage today. Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. <sighs> judging is so often misunderstood to the point now where if a person disagrees with you they say you're judging me but guys yet if you really think about it it is impossible not to have a judgment you're always going to have a judgment even if it's a judgment that someone else doesn't want you to have sometimes it agrees with people sometimes it disagrees with people and what jesus says is not don't have an opinion don't have a judgment but make sure it's a judgment that is not simply based on mere appearance. In other words, it needs to be a lot deeper than a superficial judgment. So often what we do is make a judgment before we know anything. Well, he looks like quite a bum or a character. Man, one of the smartest guys I've ever known. The first time I met him, uh, we were going through a, a lot of stuff. And this guy comes up to me. He's got long hair like a hippie and a ponytail. He's got on clothes that didn't look the cleanest in the world. And he comes up to me and he says, You've really been a blessing to me. 
I would like to be a blessing to you. And I thought, Pfft. I didn't do that in front of <laughs> This was inside, okay? That guy ended up being the man who put together the first flat screen monitor in the world. He worked, uh, he had a 10-year contract with um, the defense system of the United States of America. He was absolutely brilliant. And I thought he didn't know anything. He knew a lot more than I did. One day we were in the car together going somewhere and he was explaining to me how to make diamonds and I just nodded my head like I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Over my head. It's so easy to make those mere appearances. You know that Matthew 7, 1 that's so often quoted, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, you know. So that idea that judgment is just, oh, how can you say that about me? How could you disagree with me? Man, sometimes we need to hear the truth because we're wrong. Sometimes we need to debate ideas and sometimes we need to rethink what we think because it's not right. So what he's saying here is we need discernment. It's not just about disagreement. It's about making a right judgment. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. We should study. We should pray. We should try to discover the truth. And it's okay to disagree with one another. Sometimes, in the basis of disagreeing with one another, we discover things we didn't know before. And we adapt and we learn as we move toward the truth. And sometimes people get their feathers ruffled. Sometimes uh, they get hurt. You know, there's no safe spaces in real life. Nowhere to really hide. <laughs> uh, think of the prophets. I just thought of a few examples. You remember Nathan, he goes to David and tells that parable about the little lamb. And David gets so upset. How could he do that? You know, and Nathan says, you are that man. Whew. Talk about courage, man. That's God stuff, right? And many of the prophets did that. Another example, Elijah. He, he told messengers to go to the king of Samaria and, 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 give this, and give this message. You will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. Does not seem like a safe message to give the most powerful guy in the area. But that's what he did. The Lord commanded Samuel to tell Saul that he had rejected him as king. In that confrontation, he said, You were once small in your own eyes. So what was he saying? You're big in your own eyes right now, aren't you, buddy? You're going to get cut down to size. <laughs> Paul the Apostle, he attacked the people who were legalists, Judaizers, who were dividing the church, who, who were trying to add to Jesus Christ and the gospel and the work of Christ in order to be saved. And Paul fought that tooth and nail. And he, he spoke boldly because he said, there is nothing that can save you except Jesus crucified and risen from the grave. Jesus alone is our salvation. He was so bold at that. John and Jude spoke against the Gnostics and said, oh, Jesus didn't really come in bodily form. He, he didn't really take human form. He, you know, he's spirit. They spoke against that false teaching. And, and there is false teaching around us. And, and we need to be aware of it, guys. Don't, you know, they say be open-minded. But what happens when you're open-minded? You can be so open-minded, you take your brain out, it's not even there. Don't be so open-minded that you don't discern. 
that, that you don't seek and pray and, and study. Um, he says in the scriptures, beware of false prophets, they will come to you. There's false teaching on radio, TV, social media. Uh, we're surrounded by it. Remember The Wizard of Oz. What a great movie. And in The Wizard of Oz, uh, Dorothy and her friends are scared to death as um, the great leader of Oz is speaking boldly and with a thundering voice. And suddenly, uh, one of my favorite characters, Toto, the little dog, walks up to the curtain and pulls the curtain back. And there is this not-so-intimidating older fellow who is back there pulling some levers and speaking through a machine that made his voice sound terrifying. The truth was revealed. We need to seek God and say, God, uncover to me and make sure this is not like the Wizard of Oz, someone who is trying to distort the truth and turn me from the truth. Peter closed his second letter with these words, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as a command. In Hebrews chapter 5, this is 12 through 14, as he gives this command, and it's just an honest word to the church. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God all over again. You need milk, not solid food. In other words, you guys have been in the faith long enough. You shouldn't be infants. You should actually know something. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to treat you like babies, okay? Then he goes on, and he says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What's he saying? By solid food, by growing in the teaching, you are able to distinguish, you are able to discern what you need to in order to, to face what comes before you. Uh, now we get to verses 17 and 18. He says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Now, in these verses, uh, there are two clues on how we gain discernment. The first in verse 17 is the need for a willing mind. Notice again, he says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God. Do you really want to do the will of God? Do you really want to follow him? Or are you trying to tell him what to do? Are you trying to make his mind up so that he will agree with your assessment and your plans? Are you willing to follow him regardless of how you feel about it or if you understand it? Are you willing to follow him? Do you have a willing mind? Man, are you open to trust him? Because he may take you down a road you don't want to be on but guess what? You don't know where he's taking you. He says everything he does is for your good. Secondly, you've got to have a worshipful heart. That's verse 18. <laughs> uh, man, when you speak, the person who speaks on their own, that's for personal glory. And that's just, 
that's the center in us. We want to, we want it. We want the attention. It's the, the sinful nature. But we are to seek the glory of the one who sent the man of truth, Jesus. It, 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 we're to have a worshipful heart. We're, we're to look to him. Uh, we're, to, to, we're to praise him in all things and worship him in all things and give thanks to him in all things. Um, those two things together, a willing mind, a worshipful heart, leads to discernment and are going to be so needed in 2024. Donald Gray Barnhouse said, I can say from experience that 95% of knowing the will of God consists in being prepared to do it before you know what it is. So that's where we need to be. And I've got one last point here. Uh, um, religion can be harmful. Look at verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? <laughs> Why do you seek to kill me? Now, these are the religious professionals of the day. These are the guys that were supposed to know the teaching. They were supposed to have it all together. <laughs> and uh, yet the question is, I want to know, did they know the Ten Commandments? Do not kill. What are they trying to do? They're trying to take Jesus out. They're trying to murder him. They're trying to assassinate him. <laughs> and so Jesus is saying, basically, you guys are hypocrites. You're not even living the law you claim to be experts in. You're not living the truth. Verse 25, the crowd says, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? And, and they spoke in retaliation of that against Christ to protect their religion, to, to protect their influence, their place of authority. It's so easy for religion to take the place of relationship and actually keep us from God. Hey, some of the most religious people are the 10% of Muslims that um, we refer to as Islamicists. That 10% are the extremists who literally want to wipe out anybody who is not a Muslim. Those are the people who attacked this country in 2001. Uh, those are the people that brought such great devastation. Uh, they referred to us as the great Satan. That's not all Muslims, but 10% is a lot of people. One estimation I read, that's as many as 13 million people. If you got 13 million people wanting to take you out, you've got trouble. <laughs> um, so anyway, Jesus moves on here. Drop down to verse 21. It says, Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you were all astonished. So what is the miracle he is talking about? If you go back to John chapter 5, you read an account that happened at the pool of Bethsaida. A man who had been paralyzed for 38 years, he was trying to get into the pool. Jesus healed him. And these religious elites were angry. Why were they angry? It was the Sabbath. How can you kill a man on the Sabbath? What happened? They cared more about the rules than the relationship with God. That, that's, that's what happened. Um, 
it's interesting this. One commentator brought out the point. Well, what happens uh, when a child is born and it is due for this baby boy to be circumcised and the circumcision eight days later falls on the Sabbath? Right? So, and so anyway, this commentator, it was interesting, brought out this point. Um, he said, one of the rabbis have quoted, greatest circumcision which overrides even the rigors of the Sabbath. And, and so here's what the commentator said. He said, in other words, you guys mutilate a baby's flesh on the eighth day. That's okay. Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, and it's not okay. What's wrong with that picture? Religion keeps people from finding forgiveness. Religion keeps people from finding fellowship and community and, and finding new life and, and hope and, and ministry and purpose. That is never found merely in religion. It's found as we point to Christ and the relationship of Christ himself. Um, let me close here with just several quick comparisons or difference between religion and the gospel of Christ. Number one, religion emphasizes the outward. It's about conforming to be like me or to be one of us. Or to be just like a Kingsleyite, whatever that is. But that's never been our goal, is it? It's to be like Christ. It's not outward, it's inward. Um, Jesus, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, had talked about those religious guys who loved to stand on the street corners and the, in the temple so people could see them. Righteous and religious they were. And Jesus said they've already received their reward in full. Because it was just empty religion. It wasn't about relationship. And sometimes we get caught up in just mere appearance. Man, through the years, we were at a church before we came here, and there were some issues. There were some people that dressed up. Probably more people dressed up that didn't dress up. But there were both sides. And so we ended up leaving that church, and we'd visited another church, and, you know, it was one of these casual churches, and they were, you know, making a huge deal about how you don't have to dress up. And, and I'll just be honest, man. You just, I don't care if you dress, I mean, cover yourself, but I don't care if, if you wear formal clothes or, or if you wear something real casual. I just care that you're here. God cares that you have a heart to want to seek Him. Not just the type of clothing that you wear. It goes far deeper than just your appearance. I mean, is this holy stuff here I got on? No! God wants to know my heart. You know, like he said when Samuel was looking for David, God, I mean, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. All right, I got to move on. I'm past my time here. Second, religious religion emphasizes prohibition in other words it's more about what you can't do than who you know may we never fall into that trap here guys may it never be like the guy said he said don't don't drink cuss or chew or date girls who do man it is about more than just a set of rules. 
It's about who we know. It's about Christ. So it, it's not just the negative, okay? I, I would mother, much rather be known for knowing Jesus than the community know us for what we don't do. Because it's about that relationship with Him. Number three, religion sets up barriers. The gospel breaks down barriers. When the people would come to worship, it, they had different courts you were allowed to worship in. You had the court for the Jews, but this would be Jewish men, and then a court for Jewish women, and you had a court for Gentiles and women, and then, and then you had a court that was just for the high priest in order to bring the sacrifice. But there were all these divisions of those who came to worship, how they were put in categories and in groups. But the truth of the matter is, it says that if you were in Christ, there is no Greek or Jew or slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Guys, what makes us different does not keep us apart. The color of our skin or our culture or our past experiences, all that, all that doesn't matter with God. What matters is what brings us together. Jesus Christ. He is what brings us together. It's not about religion. It is about a relationship with Him, Christ. And one last one. Fourth and finally. Religion says, work your way. Relationship says, I have done the work. People say, well, I want to go to heaven. It means I got to work harder. Got to knock on doors. You know, I got to do all this work in order to get God's favor. That's the way to be close to God. But Jesus said what? I am the way. It's not about performance. It's about a person. It's about having that proper relationship with the person of God. On four occasions in the New Testament, Jesus rebuked religious leaders. He said to them, have you not read? <laughs> he did this over and over. Haven't you read Moses? Haven't you read the Psalms? In other words, he's saying, seek me. It's, it's not enough just to come here and, uh, what is it, the sit and sour. We need to grow. And it, it is important that I, I seek God and, and that, I, that I am able to, to preach and, and to be able to share with you the teaching and, and the truth. But it's not enough what I say. You guys have to be doing that the rest of the week. It is a lifelong journey, adventure to follow God, to seek God, to find God. To know God and not to miss Him. So as we get ready to head into 2024, you know, I, I, I give you this charge. May your life be filled with more than just religion. May you be able to know and develop the relationship God wants you to have with Him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus as he confronted these religious people who thought really highly of themselves, but not highly of Jesus. God, I pray that that not be true of any of us, Lord. 
may we be able to see that who we need to think highly of is the one who is exalted, high and lifted up, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we bow ourselves to you. If there's anyone here who hasn't discovered that God loves them and wants to have a relationship with them, it's a great time to start a relationship if one's not there. So I just pray if anyone here listening or that's here today physically wants that relationship, God, speak to them. May they just be able to honestly say, Lord, I don't have that relationship, but I want it. So what do I need to do, Lord? Uh, forgive me. Start me on that path. I want to have that relationship. Father, I pray. Any, anyone that's heard that, I, I pray you would just respond to God as he speaks. And that the relationship would start today. I pray for the rest of us. Uh, maybe someone here has drifted. It's become more about rules and religion, less about relationship. And God says, it's time to come back to me. So, Lord, I pray anyone who falls into that category, uh, let's get that straight, Lord. Father, with an altar that's open, you know what we're facing as we head into 2024. There's some real needs out there. Ministry is messy, and so are ministers. And when I say ministers, I don't mean just paid uh, staff in religious work, because we are all called to be ministers of the gospel. I mean, all of us are. We're messy. Father, we pray for your work in our lives, that the gospel would be, Lord, uh, precious to us. As you say in your word, 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Father, may that power be shown today. In your name we pray.